0: Book 2, Chapters 16 and 17 of History of Animals by Aristotle, translated by Darcy Wentworth Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 16. Again, all viviparous quadrupeds are furnished with kidneys and a bladder. Of the ovipara, that are not quadrupedal, there is no instance known of an animal, whether fish or bird, provided with these organs. Of the ovipara, that are quadrupedal, the turtle alone is provided with these organs, of a magnitude to correspond with the other organs of the animal. In the turtle the kidney resembles the same organ in the ox, that is to say, it looks like one single organ composed of a number of small ones. The bison also resembles the ox in all its internal parts. Chapter 17 With all animals that are furnished with these parts, the parts are similarly situated, and with the exception of man the heart is in the middle. In man, however, as has been observed the heart is placed a little to the left-hand side. In all animals the pointed end of the heart turns frontwards. Only in fish it would at first sight seem otherwise, for the pointed end is turned not towards the breast, but towards the head and the mouth. And in fish the apex is attached to a tube, just where the right and left gills meet together." there are other ducts extending from the heart to each of the gills, greater in the greater fish, lesser in the lesser, but in the large fishes the duct at the pointed end of the heart is a tube, white-coloured and exceedingly thick. Fishes in some few cases have an esophagus, as the conger and the eel, and in these the organ is small. In fishes that are furnished with an undivided liver, the organ lies entirely on the right side, where the liver is cloven from the root. The larger half of the organ is on the right side, for in some fishes the two parts are detached from one another without any coalescence at the root, as is the case with the dogfish. And there is also a species of hair in what is named the fig district, near Lake Bolbe, and elsewhere, which animal might be taken to have two livers owing to the length of the connecting ducts, similar to the structure in the lung of birds. The spleen, in all cases, when normally placed, is on the left-hand side, and the kidneys also lie in the same position in all creatures that possess them, there have been known instances of quadrupeds under dissection where the spleen was on the right hand, and the liver on the left, but all such cases are regarded as supernatural. In all animals the windpipe extends to the lung, and the manner how we shall discuss hereafter, and the esophagus, in all that have the organ, extends through the midriff into the stomach. for. By the way, as has been observed, most fishes have no esophagus, but the stomach is united directly with the mouth, so that in some cases, when big fish are pursuing little ones, the stomach tumbles forward into the mouth. All the aforementioned animals have a stomach, and one similarly situated, that is to say, situated directly under the midriff, and they have a gut connected therewith and closing at the outlet of the residuum, and at what is termed the rectum. However, animals present diversities in the structure of their stomachs. In the first place of the viviparous quadrupeds, such of the horned animals as are not equally furnished with teeth in both jaws are furnished with four such chambers. These animals, by the way, are those that are said to chew the cud in these animals the esophagus extends from the mouth downwards along the lung, from the midriff to the big stomach or paunch, and this stomach is rough inside and semi-partitioned. And connected with it, near to the entry of the esophagus, is what from its appearance is termed the reticulum, or honeycomb bag, for outside it is like the stomach, but inside it resembles a netted cap, and the reticulum is a great deal smaller than the stomach. Connected with this is the echinus, or many plies, rough inside and laminated, and of about the same size as the reticulum. Next after this comes what is called the enistrum or abomasum, larger and longer than the echinus, FURNISHED INSIDE, WITH NUMEROUS FOLDS OR RIDGES, LARGE AND SMOOTH. AFTER ALL THIS COMES THE GUT. SUCH IS THE STOMACH OF THOSE quadrupeds THAT ARE HORNED, AND HAVE AN UNSYMMETRICAL DENTITION, AND THESE ANIMALS DIFFER ONE FROM ANOTHER IN THE SHAPE AND SIZE OF THE PARTS, AND IN THE FACT OF THE ESOPHAGUS REACHING THE STOMACH CENTRAL-WISE, IN SOME CASES, and sideways in others. Animals that are furnished equally with teeth in both jaws have one stomach, as man, the pig, the dog, the bear, the lion, the wolf. The Thos, by the by, has all its internal organs similar to the wolf's. All these, then, have a single stomach, and after that the gut. But the stomach in some is comparatively large, as in the pig and bear, and the stomach of the pig has a few smooth folds or ridges. Others have a much smaller stomach, not much bigger than the gut, as the lion, the dog, and man. In the other animals, the shape of the stomach varies in the direction of one or other of those already mentioned that is, the stomach in some animals resembles that of the pig, in others that of the dog, alike with the larger animals and the smaller ones. In all these animals diversities occur in regard to the size, the shape, the thickness or the thinness of the stomach, and also in regard to the place, where the esophagus opens into it. THERE IS ALSO A DIFFERENCE IN STRUCTURE IN THE GUT OF THE TWO GROUPS OF ANIMALS, ABOVE MENTIONED, THOSE WITH UNSYMMETRICAL, AND THOSE WITH SYMMETRICAL DENTITION, IN SIZE, IN THICKNESS, AND IN FOLDINGS. THE INTESTINES IN THOSE ANIMALS WHOSE JAWS ARE UNEQUALLY FURNISHED WITH TEETH ARE IN ALL CASES THE LARGER, FOR THE ANIMALS THEMSELVES ARE LARGER THAN THOSE IN THE OTHER CATEGORY for very few of them are small, and no single one of the horned animals is very small. And some possess appendages, or cica, to the gut, but no animal that has not incisors in both jaws has a straight gut. The elephant has a gut constricted into chambers, so constructed that the animal appears to have four stomachs. In it the food is found, but there is no distinct and separate receptacle. Its viscera resemble those of the pig, only that the liver is four times the size of that of the ox, and the other viscera, in like proportion, while the spleen, is comparatively small. Much the same may be predicated of the properties of the stomach and the gut in oviparous quadrupeds, as in the land-tortoise, the turtle, the lizard, both crocodiles and, in fact, in all animals of the like kind. That is to say, their stomach is one and simple, resembling in some cases that of the pig, and in other cases that of the dog. The serpent genus is similar and in almost all respects furnished similarly to the saurians among oviparous land animals. If one could only imagine these saurians, to be increased in length and to be devoid of legs. That is to say, the serpent is coated with tessellated scutes, and resembles the saurian in its back and belly, only, by the way, it has no testicles, but, like fishes, has two ducts converging into one, and an ovary long and bifurcate the rest of its internal organs are identical with those of the saurians, except that, owing to the narrowness and length of the animal, the viscera are correspondingly narrow and elongated, so that they are apt to escape recognition from the similarities in shape. Thus the windpipe of the creature is exceptionally long, and the esophagus is longer still and the windpipe commences so close to the mouth that the tongue appears to be underneath it, and the windpipe seems to project over the tongue, owing to the fact that the tongue draws back into a sheath, and does not remain in its place as in other animals. The tongue, moreover, is thin and long and black, and can be protruded to a great distance." and both serpents and saurians have this altogether exceptional property in the tongue, that it is forked at the outer extremity, and this property is the more marked in the serpent, for the tips of his tongue are as thin as hairs. The seal also, by the way, has a split tongue. The stomach of the serpent is like a more spacious gut, resembling the stomach of the dog, then comes the gut, long, narrow, and single to the end. The heart is situated close to the pharynx, small, and kidney-shaped, and for this reason the organ might in some cases appear not to have the pointed end turned towards the breast. Then comes the lung, single and articulated with a membranous passage, very long and quite detached from the heart the liver is long and simple, the spleen is short and round, as is the case in both respects with the saurians. Its gall resembles that of the fish, the water-snakes have it beside the liver, and the other snakes have it usually beside the gut. These creatures are all saw-toothed, their ribs are as numerous as the days of the month, in other words they are thirty in number. Some affirm that the same phenomenon is observable with serpents as with swallow-chinks. In other words, they say that if you prick out a serpent's eyes, they will grow again. And further, the tails of saurians and of serpents, if they be cut off, will grow again. With fishes, the properties of the gut and stomach are similar. That is, they have a stomach, single and simple. But variable in shape according to species. For in some cases the stomach is gut shaped, as with the scarus or parrot fish, which fish, by the way, appears to be the only fish that chews the cud. And the whole length of the gut is simple, and if it have a reduplication or kink, it loosens out again into a simple form. An exceptional property in fishes and in birds, for the most part, is the being furnished with gut appendages, or sica. Birds have them low down and few in number. Fishes have them high up about the stomach, and sometimes numerous, as in the gobi, the galeas, the perch, the scorpina, the kitharas, the red mullet, and the sparus, The Castreus, or grey mullet, has several of them on one side of the belly, and on the other side only one. Some fish possess these appendages but only in small numbers, as the hepatus and the glaucus, and by the way, they are few also in the Dorado. These fishes differ also from one another within the same species, for in the Dorado one individual has many and another few. Some fishes are entirely without the part, as the majority of the Salachians, as for all the rest, some of them have a few and some a great many, and in all cases where the gut appendages are found in fish, they are found close up to the stomach. In regard to their internal parts, birds differ from other animals and from one another, Some birds, for instance, have a crop in front of the stomach, as the barn-door cock, the cushat, the pigeon, and the partridge, and the crop consists of a large hollow skin into which the food first enters, and where it lies undigested. Just where the crop leaves the esophagus, it is somewhat narrow, by and by it broadens out, but where it communicates with the stomach it narrows down again. The stomach or gizzard in most birds is fleshy and hard, and inside is a strong skin which comes away from the fleshy part. Other birds have no crop, but instead of it an esophagus wide and roomy, either all the way or in the part leading to the stomach, as with the dove, the raven and the carrion crow. The quail also has the esophagus widened out at the lower extremity, and in the agacephalus and the owl the organ is slightly broader at the bottom than at the top. The duck, the goose, the gull, the cataractes, and the great bustard have the esophagus wide and roomy from one end to the other, and the same applies to a great many other birds. In some birds there is a portion of the stomach that resembles a crop, as in the kestrel, In the case of small birds, like the swallow and the sparrow, neither the esophagus nor the crop is wide, but the stomach is long. Some few have neither a crop nor a dilated esophagus, but the latter is exceedingly long, as in long-necked birds, such as the porphyrio, and, by the way, in the case of all these birds the excrement is unusually moist. The quail is exceptional in regard to these organs, as compared with other birds. In other words, it has a crop, and at the same time its esophagus is wide and spacious in front of the stomach, and the crop is at some distance, relatively to its size, from the esophagus at that part. Further, in most birds the gut is thin, and simple when loosened out, the gut appendages, or cica in birds, as has been observed, are few in number and are not situated high up, as in fishes, but low down towards the extremity of the gut. Birds, then, have cica, not all, but the greater part of them, such as the barn-door cock, the partridge, the duck, the night-raven, the localis, the escaliphus, the goose, the swan, the great bustard, and the owl. Some of the little birds also have these appendages, but the cica in their case are exceedingly minute, as in the sparrow. End of chapter 17 and end of book 2